calling all aspiring investment professionals. Get a leg up on the competition. Final registration for the August CFA exam ends on May 14th. Register now to secure your spot. The CFA designation is a gold standard in the investment world, opening doors to high-powered careers and impressive salaries. Head over to cfainstitute.org to register. Don't wait. Take control of your finance career today. Welcome to another Take 15 interview from CFA Institute. I'm Dave Larrabee. I'm joined by Elizabeth Collins. Elizabeth is Director of North American Equity Research at Morningstar. She's a CFA charter holder, and she's also a co-author of the book, Why Moats Matter, The Morningstar Approach to Stock Investing. Elizabeth, thanks for joining us. Thank you very much for having me. Well, uh, Warren Buffett reportedly was the first to coin the term economic moat to describe a company's sustainable competitive advantage. Um, Morningstar has capitalized on that concept and, and built an analytical framework around it. Um, in doing so, you've identified five sources of moats. Um, what are these sources and would you walk us through an example of each one? Sure, sure. So the five sources of sustainable competitive advantage, first off, we have intangible assets. These are things like brands, patents, or regulatory barriers to entry. A good example here would be big pharmaceutical companies like Merck or Pfizer that have really blockbuster drugs with long patent lives, and those patents allow them to charge really good prices for long periods of time. They're, they're government-granted monopolies. No, no competitors can enter and compete away those prices for an extended period of time. The second source of sustainable competitive advantage is a cost advantage. We see this being very important in commodity industries like energy or basic materials. So a good example of a company with a sustainable low cost for the production of a commodity is Cameco. It's a uranium miner. They have very low cost for the production of uranium because they have high ore grades. <clears throat> mm -hmm. The third source of sustainable competitive advantage is switching cost. A good example, this is a phenomenon where uh, a client or customer is unlikely to defect to a competitor with lower prices because they'd have to pay costs, either in time or money, to go to the other competitor. Mm -hmm. And the price differential would have to be pretty substantial in order for them to be willing to go to the competitor. A great example of a company that benefits from high switching costs is Intuitive Surgical. They do robots, ro robots for assisted surgery. And once a doctor or surgeon is trained on one robot to do surgery, mm -hmm. it doesn't make sense for that surgeon to retrain themselves on a different robot. The time of that retraining and the cost of failure is very high. So the, uh, Da Vinci is the ro robot. Intuitive Surgical benefits from high switching costs and can, can charge good prices for the benefit of shareholders. Another source of economic moat is the network effect. Mm -hmm. This is a phenomenon which allows strong companies to get even stronger because the more customers use a good or service, the more valuable that good or service becomes to existing and new customers. An example would be social networks, the original so social network, which would be telephones, um, payment, payment uh, credit card companies like MasterCard and American Express. Uh, you're more willing to use a credit card that's accepted at a wide variety of merchants. Merchants are more willing to accept 
credit cards that are used by the biggest number of people, that becomes a virtuous cycle that allows strong companies to get stronger and keeps new entrants at bay. The fifth source of sustainable competitive advantage is efficient scale. Think of this really as a natural monopoly where there is a, a very small market, a very well-defined market, such as the need to transport goods or commodities from point A to point B. So railroads, utilities, and pipelines are great examples here. You're either transporting electricity or natural gas or liquid fuels from point A to point B, or people and passengers and freight. And once a single pipeline or high-voltage electricity line or railroad is built between point A and point B, it's highly unlikely that an additional corridor would be necessary to connect those two points. The cost of capital is high, and seeing that, seeing that those uh, capital costs are high and that competition would ensue if there was an additional corridor, it's very unlikely that people enter those markets. So we saw, see that as efficient scale. So good examples there would be Union Pacific, uh, Southern Company, utilities and railroads and pipelines. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now you distinguish between wide moats and narrow moats. Um, what's the difference there? What makes a moat narrow or wide? So we went through the five sources of economic moat, which are the qualitative <clears throat> things we look into to figure out if a company has one of these sustainable competitive advantages. We look at quantitative things, data points, when we figure out the sources as well. Costs are by definition a, a quantitative investigation. Mm -hmm. uh, but the difference between wide and narrow economic moats is, is a very data-driven exercise. So analysts forecast their company's future earnings and cash flows for an extended period of time. And based on their confidence and the likelihood of sustained economic profits, that's where they draw the line between wide and narrow moat. Okay. So a wide moat company is one that we think can keep competitors at bay and generate strong shareholder profits for 20 years or more. And a narrow moat company is one that we think can only generate uh, sustainable economic profits for 10 years or more. So wide moat companies have a longer period of competitive advantage ahead of them. Right, okay. So can your methodology capture the, those emerging growth companies that aren't yet earning a positive return on investment? Yes, so our, our moat methodology is very forward-looking. We're trying to figure out if companies can, can, can keep competitors at bay in the future. Uh, having a track record of profitability is not a necessary condition of giving a company a narrow or wide economic moat rating. Mm -hmm. That said, I mean, the ability to forecast strong profits 10 to 20 years into the future requires a lot of confidence. And um, a strong track record can bolster that confidence. So you probably see empirically that we have less wide and narrow moat ratings on companies that are very new, but it does happen. Mm -hmm. So um, when Facebook IPO'd, we did give it a wide economic moat rating. There, there are other companies that are new that we have enough confidence to say they'll be sustainably comp uh, generating economic profits for a good period of time. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, is there evidence that these moats translate into alpha? Okay, so that's a, a really good question. Why do moats matter? <clears throat> so to us, moats matter because they impact valuation. When we looked at, so we cover 1,400 companies, it, in, you know, that number expands. At times we've covered uh, up to 2,000 companies. Uh, right now we're covering a good number of companies that are interesting to our clients. But, and we've been doing moat ratings and fair value estimates for over a decade. So we've looked at a lot of data about performance and what moat ratings mean. We've found, for example, though, that wide moat companies only generate about 20 basis points of alpha 
if you don't take into account valuation. What we think is that moats matter because they increase a company's intrinsic value, all else equal. So a company with a wide moat, because uh, all assets are worth future, future cash flows discounted back to today, mm -hmm. the fact that a wide moat company can generate strong economic profits for 20 years or more adds a significant amount of value to their intrinsic value than if they had their economic profits competed away within a 10-year or five-year time frame. And so all else equal, wide and narrow moat companies are worth more than their uh, no moat counterparts. And at times the market overlooks that. So we are not saying that we only invest in narrow or wide moat companies. It's part of our valuation process. And then we look for companies that are trading at sufficient discounts to our fair value estimate before we we place a buy rating on them. Mm -hmm. Very good. Elizabeth, thanks for sharing your thoughts with us today. Thank you for watching. You can access our full catalog of content at cfainstitute.org. Copyright 2015 CFA Institute. This program is designed to give accurate and authoritative information in regard to the subject matter covered. It is distributed with the understanding that CFA Institute is not engaged in rendering legal, accounting, tax, investment, or other expert advice. If legal advice or other expert assistance is required, the services of a competent professional should be sought.